Witness protection can't erase his past. This is Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series. One novel, read to you a chapter at a time. Join us each week for a new installment of the story and get the book at jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun podcast. And now, the host and author, Jim Heskett. Hey, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. But guess what, guys? It's time for more of that Nailgun Messiah podcast. So, have you been? I haven't seen you guys in a couple days. Are you getting tired of me asking that? You probably are if you're listening to these in batch. Because every time I'm like, haven't seen ya, And you guys are like, no, I just heard the other episode, Jim. So, shut up with that. So, I will shut up with that. And let's um, let's talk about what we're going to do today. We're going to read a chunk of my thriller novel, Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series which you can get for free on my website. And you can also, well, no, you can't get it for free on my website. You can get it for free on Amazon, Kobo, iTunes, and Barnes and Noble uh, for Nook. You can also, but you can get the prequel novel for free at jimheskett.com. And the other main thing I wanted to talk about was starting today, July 8th, I'm doing a brand new giveaway where I am Um, giving away one copy of a secret box set continuing the one-year anniversary of my Whistleblower Trilogy release. Uh, I'm giving away all the three of the books bundled into ebook. Plus, 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 I'm also giving away an exclusive short story that doesn't exist anywhere. It is a short story featuring the main character of the book, Tucker Candle. And it's about him and takes place a little while, uh, maybe a month or two before the events of the book. Just a short little office um, office espionage short story that's, I think it's kind of fun. It's based on, okay, here's some behind the scenes shit for you. It's based on something that really happened to me. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But the only way to get it is to enter that contest. You can go to jimheskett.com forward slash contest and um, enter your email there to get a chance to win it. If you're listening to this in the future, as always, you can still go to jimheskett.com forward slash contest and check out what I'm giving away this month. All right, cool. So let's talk about our book and what we, the installment that we're going to read this week. And if this is your first time listening to the show, let me be the first to say hello and second to say you're doing it wrong. Go back to the beginning because I'm reading a serial. I'm reading a novel in serialized installments. So you don't want to just start halfway in the middle. That would be crazy. So what do we need to know uh, for this episode to get you guys caught up since it's been a couple days? Well, if you remember the last time, well, when we saw Lilo, the whole gang was together. They all went to the prison to visit Cyrus. And Lila and Cyrus were talking about why their true mana website was not doing well. And Lila and Cyrus came to the conclusion, at least it's their theory, that it's because of this Catholic priest in town, this Father Thomas Benedict, that he must be doing something to sabotage the website. And so we're going to read a Lila scene, and then we're also going to read a Micah scene that takes place right after, and what you need to remember from that, hopefully you remembered the big bombshell from a couple weeks ago that Rodney was not actually who he said he was, and spoiler alert, Rodney is actually an ATF agent, and he sort of recruited Micah into helping him with his operation to prove that Lila and the other housemates are dealing in illegal firearms. 
And so that's all the blabbing I'm going to do this week or this episode. I keep saying that, don't I? I can't. I just can't break myself of that habit. Anyway, that's all the blabbing I'm going to do for this episode. So now let's get into our reading. Lila spent most of the pre-dawn hours creating all of the online profiles necessary to appear to be a dozen different people. Then it took her several more hours to post messages on various church forums and religious criticism sites as those profiles, each one becoming more and more specific about what had happened, a trail of breadcrumbs that someone should start eating soon given the subject matter. And then, halfway through the morning, she noticed a couple of blogs had taken an interest and picked up on the story. One blog post read, Small town priest may have escaped Idaho to hide from his accusers. The content of the post went on to describe a Catholic priest from a Boise area suburb who had been accused of molesting as many of six of his altar boys and half dozen others from a summer camp he'd run for Catholic children. While no charges had ever been officially filed, some sources had suspected the priest left Idaho before a formal inquiry could begin, and now he had settled in the sleepy mountain community of Nederland, Colorado, thinking he would be free to harm more children there. The post had a clear point of view and a tone that was impossible to miss. Lila sat back and watched the comments stack up on the post, angry, frothing people using all caps and scores of exclamation points. Babylon's pitchfork came out faster than Egyptians trying to cross the Red Sea as it swelled around them. If only the true man a website had taken off so quickly and with such passion. Maybe with this priest out of the way, they could finally get the notoriety they deserved. Whatever bad word about the true manna he had spread would fade away along with his career. You'll slide into darkness with the rest of them, Thomas Benedict, she said to the glow of her laptop screen. Saying that out loud was supposed to fill her with hope, or with a sense of justice, but it did little for her. She still felt empty. Her hands were especially dirty today, and no amount of washing could remove that layer of film that seemed to be coating her fingers like an ultra-thin pair of gloves or the dried remnants of superglue coating the grooves along her skin, seeping into her pores. Lila's eyes drifted to the picture taped to the wall next to the desk, her and Cyrus sitting on the front porch of the old house in Castle Rock, the sunset painting their skin a luscious yellow glow. She remembered that evening with a vivid kind of recall that made it seem as fresh as watching it on video. She'd made a vegetarian lasagna for dinner, Eagle had taken that picture. Then he surprised everyone else living at the house by taking them all out on a hike so Lila and Cyrus could be alone. Their one-year anniversary. He played a guitar for her on that porch, cycling through some classic rock and country. Then they made fierce love in their bed until they both collapsed, sweaty and spent. Nights like that from the past intermingled with her dreams in the present, so long ago and so far away. Only two more days until he came home. A few years or even a few months ago, she would have been ecstatic beyond belief at the thought of sleeping next to him, of hearing him pluck out those country songs on his beat-up guitar, of listening to him conduct Bible study instead of being the one forced to do it. But now, after running his house for eight years and becoming comfortable with taking charge, the idea of him returning home seemed more like a culture shock than a long-awaited day. Would Cyrus want to go back to the old ways of forbidding anyone to speak on the Sabbath? Would he take Hannah and Magda to his bed 
as he had done with the other women before he went away? An image of Magda on top of Cyrus filled Lila's mind, the both of them slick with sweat, grinding, panting, and becoming one person in the way only physical contact could create. Magda sleeping with Cyrus would break her heart, but how could she stop it? She had no right to tell Cyrus who he could and couldn't take as a wife. Shekinah, he would say, if I don't know sin, how can I preach forgiveness? Lila shut the laptop so hard she almost snapped the lid off and then dropped it in her desk drawer. She had to escape this room because she couldn't think of anything right now except for the sounds of Magda and her man in deep pleasure. The imagined sounds of their ecstasy clouded her head and sent bugs all over her skin. Would Magda moan? Would she grunt? Would she scream his name? Would Lila hear it through the walls? The ceaseless questions forced her to get up and pace, but that wasn't good enough. She couldn't be in this room any longer, so close to his letters and pictures. She left the room and passed by the kitchen. She found Micah at the table, scribbling in a notebook. She stopped in her tracks and waited until he noticed her. He had fear in his eyes. Impossible to miss. Micah, can I ask you a question? He dropped his pencil on top of the notebook. Of course. Magda came to me and asked me if I would order you to leave the house, but she wouldn't tell me why. Micah swallowed but said nothing. His left eyelid twitched, barely enough to notice. Do you know why she would do such a thing? He shook his head. Magda has been mad at me for years. Since we don't speak, we haven't had much of a chance to clear up all our baggage. Lila swept into the kitchen and sat opposite him. This close proximity made him sit up straight. She narrowed her eyes. Why are you here? I traded shifts at work today, so I don't start until 11. In the three weeks Micah had lived in this house, he'd been a good student of the Bible. He'd obeyed the rules and had caused no trouble, although Eagle had often voiced lingering doubts about him. Lila's hope that, Mac that Micah's presence would invigorate Magda had not turned out to be the case. Cyrus hadn't trusted him either. Maybe he should go, after all. That's not what I meant, she said. But it doesn't matter. Tell me this. Magda's last name is McBriar, but your last name is Reed. Why is that? Without missing a beat, he said, Our parents divorced. Magda took our mother's maiden name. She was always closer to mom anyway. Lila resisted the urge to raise her eyebrows because this was obviously a lie. Magda herself had said their parents were still married, and she'd claimed that only a few months ago. So, Micah was hiding something. I see, she said. I didn't know that. He had no response to that, and his eyes darted to the clock on the wall only for a split second. Then tell me this, she said. Magda says you should leave, but you haven't done anything to deserve being kicked out as far as I can see. I've always thought family was important. What should I do? He picked up the pencil and twirled it in his fingers, struck Lila as trying to seem relaxed, but she didn't buy it. Um, pray, and then do what God tells you. If God doesn't want me here, then I will be happy to go. I'll find another way to serve the truth. He was so slippery and had a habit of knowing the right things to say. Had Micah been duping her this entire time? spitting nothing but lies like any of the other sheep out there in the world? Maybe, 
maybe not. Her judgment felt cloudy at this moment. I see, she said, and left him there at the table. She would have to decide to do what to do about him soon before he could cause any damage. When Lila left him in the kitchen, Micah exhaled a breath he felt he'd been holding for a half hour. As far as he could tell, Magda hadn't said anything about the ATF raid. For whatever reason, she was holding on to that incredibly damaging piece of information. This instilled in him some hope that he had a chance to pull her back into sanity and get her out of this house, maybe even before the ATF descended. A small hope, but it was the only one he had. Micah wandered out from the kitchen, easing through the house to find where Lila had gone. In the den, she slipped her coat from a hook next to the door and grabbed her keys before she went out. Micah hustled upstairs and watched her drive off, then waited five more minutes to be sure she wasn't going to come back. In his pocket, he had a copy of the keylogger program from Rodney. If he could install that now while Lila was away, that might be all he needed to get Rodney his evidence. Rodney had only given him the software as an emergency since Micah wasn't technically supposed to do anything more than observe and support Rodney. But he had a chance, and if he could install this, get the data, and give it to Rodney, he could ensure Magda's safety and anonymity. Or, maybe he didn't need to give it to Rodney. Maybe he could gather the evidence for himself and show it to her. Maybe this evidence of weapons dealing, if he could prove it, would be enough to finally wake up his sister. But that hadn't worked before with the printouts, and it only made her angrier. Why would she trust it this time? It didn't matter. One way or another, he was running out of time to install the keylogger. He raced down the stairs and down the hall toward Lila's bedroom when he stopped cold. Her door was open. Micah eased toward it and heard grunting sounds coming from inside the room. He peered through the cracked door and noticed some long, blonde curls quivering. Hannah was on her knees trying to wrestle with something under the bed. Hannah? She gasped and fell back under her hands. Micah stepped into the room and saw a small safe jutting out from underneath the bed. What are you doing? Her eyes darted between the safe and Micah, then back down to the floor. She began to sniffle. I need my passport, she said as she pointed at the safe. It's in there. Please don't tell her you saw me in here, but I have to do it. We can't leave without it. Micah took a few steps closer and Hannah scurried away from him, bumping against the nightstand. Don't be afraid, he said. I talked to Father Benedict. I know what he's trying to do. Hannah angled her brow, looking confused. Her eyes were wet, her curly hair jutted out at odd angles, frizzy with split ends darting out like bits of frayed rope. He'd never seen her looking this ragged before. Micah bent down on one knee to check out the safe. Reinforced steel with a keypad combination. He tapped along the front and side, listening to the thickness of the metal ping back. Do you know the passcode? She shook her head. Help me, please. Can you break into it? Pry it open with something? Micah knew that he could take her right now and drive her away from here, down to Denver to introduce her to people who could make her a new passport that looked as good as a real one. He'd done it before. But if he did that, he could say goodbye to any hope of getting Magda out. He would never be allowed anywhere near this house again. And if he disappeared with Hannah, 
Would Rodney keep his promise about shielding Magda's name from the public? He might. Or maybe Rodney didn't give a shit about how all this affected Micah and Magda. Rodney was a fed, and Micah knew better than to put much stock in their promises. I can't break into this safe. If I had plenty of time and the right tools, maybe I could. Her face fell. Her upper teeth bit her lower lip hard enough to turn it white. Are you sure? Hannah, you should go. Just get your stuff and forget about your passport. Micah wanted to tell her about the ATF, but he didn't know if it would help. She pulled her knees to her chest as a dribble of snot escaped her nose. I can't yet. Garrett hasn't even agreed to leave with me. What am I going to do? I don't know. But if you stick around, bad things will happen. Whatever you decide, you need to do it quickly. She took a few haggard breaths, then scootered the safe back under the bed. She stared at it with jittery eyes, maybe hoping to think of some brilliant way to get access to it, but that was pointless. No amount of wishing was going to allow access to that safe to retrieve her passport. She ran a hand across her face to mop up the tears, and then left the room without another word. Micah leaned to push the safe the rest of the way in. Then, he realized that his phone was probably in there, and he would need to get that out before he could leave, or the evidence would tie him to this house. He couldn't allow that to happen. After Hannah left, Micah plugged in the flash drive to install the software on Lila's computer since he already knew the password. He had to disable her antivirus software to get it to recognize the flash drive, so if she rebooted, the program probably would alert again and delete it. Micah didn't know enough about computers to turn off the antivirus completely. He'd have to risk that she might reboot. Without a computer expert to guide him, this was the best he could do. While the software installed, he calmed his breathing, listening intently for any movement within the house. The floorboards above creaked from Hannah walking around, but he honed in on any sounds coming from the front door. He was exposed here in her room. On the computer screen, a progress bar moved from left to right, approaching halfway. He considered what he would say if Eagle, Magda, or Lila burst in. Micah closed his eyes, focusing, tried not to let his thoughts wander to the million other things on his mind. A few minutes later, tires crunched through the snow in the front yard as the software completed the install. He yanked out the flash drive, slammed the lid of Lila's laptop closed, and dropped it into her desk drawer. As he was closing Lila's door behind him, the front door opened and a grim Rodney appeared. Micah padded into the den to meet him. I added the key logger, Micah said. And no one saw you? Think hard, Micah. It's clean. She's gone for now. Do you know for how long? Micah shook his head and leaned in close to whisper, Hannah is upstairs, but you don't have to worry about her. I don't think she'd care even if she knew. She's trying to find a way to leave the house for good. Rodney pursed his lips and drew in a few sharp breaths as he glanced at the stairs. I had a feeling she was going to try to escape soon. But whatever she does or doesn't do is beyond our project scope, so let's focus on the task at hand. We're going to proceed with phase two and install the surveillance. I'll need you to stay here and watch out the front in case Lila or Eagle or anyone else comes back. You let me know right away. Got it. Rodney ran upstairs then came back with a drill and a bag. 
He dashed down the hall to Lila's room as Micah took up a position by the window next to the front door. For several minutes, Micah watched out the front door as snow trickled, dusting his and Rodney's cars with a layer of white. Rodney worked in Lila's room and Micah heard drilling and furniture moving around. His thoughts drifted as the snow pelted the front yard. He remembered when he was 13 and his family had gone to the Oklahoma City bombing memorial for the first time. The testament to the violence and mayhem Timothy McVeigh had caused when he destroyed the federal building. McVeigh's truck bomb was supposedly revenge for the government's botching of the Waco siege, for the death of David Koresh, the cult leader who had apparently inspired Lila and Cyrus to branch off into their own sect here in Colorado. Funny how that had all come full circle. During that visit, Magda wasn't yet a teenager, and when he saw the field of grave markers for each of the lives lost, she burst into tears. Micah was unprepared for this reaction. Magda was a rough-and-tumble kind of tomboy who liked to play in the mud and climb trees, like the chuck baseballs and footballs at her two brothers. Micah hadn't even thought of her as a girl, but when he witnessed the devastation on her face, it broke him. His little sister had feelings, she had a viewpoint, and she was affected by the world. As she wept, he wrapped his arms around her and pointed her away from the grave markers. She'd seen it, but she didn't need to wallow in it. Ten minutes of watching the front yard passed, then fifteen. The drilling stopped, but Rodney hadn't yet come out of the bedroom. Then the headlights of Lila's car appeared through the trees. Micah's eyes jumped wide, and he spun from his spot to race back toward the bedroom, but he halted in his tracks to find Eagle standing in front of him. And that is our reading for this episode. Ooh, it's juicy there at the end. Rodney's in there doing some espionage shit. Micah's supposed to be watching out for him, but then Eagle's already in the house. I hate to leave you guys on a cliffhanger. I mean, actually, I love it. Mwahaha, my evil plan to ensure that you tune in next time. But um, tune in next time to find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of this scene. Not the thrilling conclusion of the book. We still have six or seven more episodes to go. So it's we're in the home stretch, you guys. Pretty exciting, huh? All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Please remember to go rate the show on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play Music. Um, like our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com forward slash nailgunmessiah. And also go follow us on Twitter at nailgunm. And, you know, while you're at it, uh, give your mom a call. See how she's doing. She'd love to hear from you. Anyway, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this week's installment of Nailgun Messiah. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Don't deprive them of this show. Go to www.jimheskit.com forward slash nailgunpodcast for information. And we'll see you next week.